So good to be with you guys here. You know, I was, I was thinking about this during worship, just the, the idea of ordinary spiritual warfare, ordinary spiritual warfare, because I think as believers, we, we hear terms like spiritual warfare, we think about things like that, and, and we think about like these times of prayer and maybe like special prayer moves and upper levels of Christianity or something, but the, the act of being here on a Sunday morning with your family like re- rejecting everything that you could be doing. Because I, I say this often, but did you know there are actual NFL football games on right now? <laughs> there are places in Eugene that are serving brunch right now. And you could be there, but you're not. You're here. Now, hopefully you're not reconsidering as I say that because you're, you're thinking of your options. But in all seriousness, when you show up at church on Sunday with your family, you're actually engaging in spiritual warfare. You've, you've made a choice to honor God with your physical location and your proximity. You're honoring God in your worship, honoring God in bringing your children here to hear the Word of God and, and bringing yourself here to hear the Word of God. You're honoring God in so many different ways and you're rejecting other alternatives that maybe are more fun or more comfortable or whatever. And that's an act of spiritual warfare. So I just want to say thank you and well done. Good job. You know, something about coming to church on Sunday, bringing your kids. We did a, a child dedication today and prayed for kids. That's awesome. Dedicate your kids to the Lord every Sunday by being in God's house. Now, this building is not God's house. This is a building where we, who are God's house, we're the living stones that build God's house. We are the church. The building isn't the church. The building isn't God's house, but we come together. And in this atmosphere, in this environment, we are in God's house. There's something powerful about consistency and letting your kids know, hey, mom and dad are here every time the doors are open because we know there's a God. We know we're not him. We know that what the world is going on out in the world, the goods, the, the bad, the ups, the downs, the, the ebbs and flows and, and, uh, of the seasons of life that are going out in the world, that that's not the big story. The big story is what God is doing here in his people. And the big story is what God is doing in our family. So I think it's pretty cool that we're here today. It's more significant than just another Sunday. You know, I think if we, if we don't catch hold of that, then church attendance and just the basic spiritual disciplines, showing up every morning to meet with Jesus through getting into his word and through prayer is going to feel kind of like just rote religion or just duty. But there's actually something significant about the consistency of following Jesus. And uh, I'm encouraged at how many people are here today uh, and those that are joining online, we'll give you a half a gold star. <laughs> Even though I'm a millennial, I don't give everybody a gold star. Come on, you gotta, no, I'm just teasing you guys. But, but I wanna encourage you today, man, well done. You're doing a, a good job. I think our, our culture is very discouraged. And my hope today is that you would leave uh, this building encouraged and actually like hopeful about what God is doing in you and in, in your life. I think you're pretty awesome. You know, I think you're pretty, you're pretty cool. I think the devil's probably been working on a few people this week, like, you suck, you're the worst, you're bad. You should go to church to make God happy with you. Actually, that's not, not what's going on, not why you're here. God loves you so much, even on your worst day. And I believe today you're going to be encouraged. Can somebody say, I'll take it, right? That's, I want to be encouraged today. I want to encourage some people with this. Oh... Now, it is a little sad to me that it was like more, more anointing in that than the other stuff I was saying. But Beaver fans, you know, listen. 
Somebody has to be the little brother, you know. And Husky fans, repent and turn from your wicked ways. Just that's all I got for you right there. Okay, enough football talk. Let's jump in today. Let's jump in. Uh, we are in a series. We've been in a series over the past couple of weeks. Did I break this? Oh, here we go. Uh, we've been in a series over the past few months called Sunday School. And today is the last day. Now, if you want to cheer for that because you've hated it, go ahead. If you want to cheer for that because you've loved it, God's done something great. That's awesome. But today's our last day. We've been talking about the beautiful basics of our faith, the essential things of our faith. First uh, Peter 3.15 says this, Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. We believe that it's our duty as followers of Jesus, not just to be nominal in name only, not just to be uh, just, just give, not just uh, casual in our following of Jesus, but to be serious. And we believe that it's important to know what we believe, why we believe it, and how to live it out faithfully. If I could give you two words today that I think sums this up, it would be the words all in. Somebody say all in. All in. Last night we were at uh, the Fifth Street Market. Bethany said, hey, they're doing the, the fake snow and, you know, I want to go to that. And I was like, cool, let's go. So we went to the to the Fifth Street Market, and they do the fake snow, and it's basically like this soap stuff that comes down. Now, I prefer it to real snow, personally. Those of you that know me, I don't like the outdoors. To me, the outdoors are the space between air-conditioned environments where television and internet are, so that's just how I feel. I know I offended many of you, and you know, you're probably a Husky fan, so get over it, but I'm just teasing, I'm teasing. I love the outdoors, but we went to the fake snow, and uh, it's kind of like this soap stuff that comes down, and so it gathers on the, on the fountain there at Fifth Street Market. It's just beautiful with the Christmas lights. Like if you want all the Christmas feels, that's where you go, right? I was kind of humming like, going in there, I was starting to feel jolly, less like Scrooge, you know, as I was there. And the kids were playing. So we explicitly told our kids, hey, don't get wet. Don't, don't, don't like get into the fountain there. But our daughter, Evie, she's 10 years old. She's, she is an all-in person, okay? She's like, Whatever it is, if, if we go to the playground, she's going to be go, you know, falling off the playground and ripping her pants and sliding and getting dirty and muddy. Like every day the kids go out to, to, to play in the yard. I'm like, please don't ruin your clothes. And it, they do. And she's just all in with whatever it is. So we're at this Fifth Street Market and she just gets into all the soap. And by the end of us being there, and we're just there to enjoy the fake snow. She's soaked from the fountain and the soap, right, hun? Her, her, her skirt was all wet. I mean, she's just covered and, I'm, and we're laughing about it because she has this spirit that is just, you, it's indomitable. It's indefatigable. You cannot stop her. She is all in all the time. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, yeah, as a parent who has to like pay for all of her clothing, I would prefer her not to be that way. But actually, I, I, and I even felt like God was even maybe speaking to me in this he, he, he created her that way, and I absolutely want her to be that way in her relationship with Jesus and her activity as a disciple. I want her to be all in. That's how we're all supposed to be as we follow Jesus, all in. Not somebody who's holding back, not somebody who doesn't know what they believe and, and, and why and how to live it, but somebody who's all in as a disciple. And that's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks and months, is being all in as disciples, really digging in and understanding who is Jesus what, what are the ramifications of his death and resurrection, not just in a historical sense or a social sense, but for me and my responsibility as his disciple in this world that I find myself living in? 
How can I be faithful as a witness for Christ? We've been talking about that. So as we finish off today, I think it's very fitting. We talked about this three weeks ago, our duty to God. In response to the cross, in response to who Jesus is, what is our duty to God? We talked about our duty to the church, that we are saved not into isolated, you know, individualistic relationship, just God and I and everybody else can basically, uh, you know, take a hike, but we're saved into the church. We talked about our duty to the church last week. Bethany did a great job teaching on that. And today we're going to talk about our duty to the world, the calling that we have as followers of Jesus. And I want to talk about the mission that Jesus has for each and every one of us as disciples. Now, we try to make it pretty clear here, but I want to point it out. We, we as a church, we have a mission. It's actually written on this board. I know some of you in the back probably can't see it, so I'll read it for you at the bottom here. But three things that are our, what we call mission statement here at Joy Church. Number one, love God. Number two, love people. And number three, make disciples. Love God, love people, and make disciples. And we get that from the scripture. Jesus was asked, what are the great commandments? And what's the most important commandment? He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it or of equal weight. You must love your neighbor as yourself. So that's where we get love God and love people. And then in Matthew 22, at his ascension, and we're going to read this and study this at more length today, he gave his last command, which is our first priority. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And so our mission statement, why we are here as a church, there's a lot of good things that happen, but the reason we're here, the mission that we're on is to love God, love people, and make disciples. Now, most Christians are totally comfortable with number one and number two. Most followers of Jesus are like, yeah, of course we're supposed to love God. That's why we sing songs today. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We do our worship and like we love God. We know we're supposed to read our Bible. We kind of have this general sense that we should basically try to be good people for God, right? As if our moralism really helps them in some way. We have this kind of sense of loving God. And I don't mean to mock it because actually it's good. We have a desire to worship God and honor God. And we do love him. He's our father in heaven. Holy is his name, right? We, we love God. We know then that we're to love people. We remember the teachings of Jesus. He said, clothe the naked and go and take care of the sick and visit the people in prison. And we have this sense of our responsibility to love people around us as a reflection or a continuation of the love of God that he's poured in us. Is this true? But then there's this third one, which is a little bit uncomfortable, that we are to make disciples. Again, most Christians or believers, followers of Jesus are fairly comfortable with one and two. I love God, sure, and I love people. But that make disciples thing, that sounds uncomfortable. It's not my ministry. It's not my gifting. It's actually probably your job, Pastor Jake, and maybe the elders of the church and the leaders of the church. They're the ones that really need to share faith and win people to Jesus and make disciples. But my goal today is to very clearly get it into your heart and your spirit and your mind that it is the job, maybe I can even say it this way, the mission, the calling of every believer to make disciples. And I would say it this strongly today, that there is no such thing. You will not find it in the Bible. You'll not find it in the New Testament. There is no such thing as a disciple that does not make disciples. It is the calling, the mission of every disciple to make disciples. Most believers view being on mission as optional. You can do it when you feel like it, when you feel qualified. I'll make disciples when I'm mature enough, when I'm 
advanced enough when I've gone through all the courses and I've listened to every one of Pastor Jake's backlog of sermons on YouTube. Oh my goodness, please don't ever do that. I wouldn't even do that, right? When I get to some place of advancement, when I feel like I've, I've graduated from being a baby Christian or an imperfect Christian, that's when I'll embrace mission. And I'm here to tell you that your mission was given to you when you were born into the kingdom of God from day one. So maybe you're here today and this is a day that you're going to hear this message and you're going to respond in faith to Jesus and go, I want to follow him. I want to give him my life. Then right from the very get-go, you're on a mission. You're called now. Maybe you've been serving Jesus, following Jesus for 20 years, 30 years. You're one of those people that when I said, put your hand out, you already knew what to do. And you even had more anointing. You even had a little shake and shimmy. You had a shanda. You know, you were, you were, you had it. Like, you know prayer. You have 14 prayer moves. You can do this move. You know how to pray with your legs. I mean, you could do it all. You're like, you're saved. You know what I mean? You're Christian. You know all the words to songs by Petra. Come on, you know. You know what I'm talking about. We, we, we had a memorial service yesterday and we sang awesome God. You know, our God is an awesome God. And you know all the words. Yes, you, my friend, whether you're a brand new baby Christian or you're basically just about ready to go meet Jesus face to face, you're called to be on a mission and called to make disciples. It's not an option. Matthew 28 gives us the, the moment when Jesus has just, just before he ascends into heaven, he gives us his last words. He tells his disciples, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Jesus is saying, I'm the man. I'm it. I'm the, I'm the bee's knees. I'm the business. All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. And this is what he says next. And this is right before he ascends into heaven. He says, therefore, because all authority has been given to me, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says this beautiful Uh, Or he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And then he gives us this beautiful promise. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And I want to look at the significance of this because this is literally his last command. He told us to love our enemies. He told us to bless those who curse us and love those who persecute us. He gave us all these beautiful commands and he gave us this beautiful teaching. He told us to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But with equal weight is this last command. And I would even dare to say that the very last thing he says is important for the very fact that it's the thing he wants to leave us with. Jesus told his disciples, it's actually good for you if I go because I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you boldness to be my witnesses. And as he ascends into heaven, right before he says in the Jake translation, deuces, and then he's out, he says, look, I have all the authority and here's what I want you to do about it. I want you as a disciple to go into all the world and make disciples. And he gave that to his disciples then, and he gives that as a command to his disciples now. Now, this is a paradigm shift. This is a, this is a, a, This is a big pivot for us as 21st century comfortable Christians. I think that sometimes in in other places in the world, it's a little bit easier for Christians to capture this because necessity is the mother of invention. In places where 
Maybe there aren't any qualified people or the, the, at least the appearance of qualified people, or maybe there isn't a lot of opportunity to gather in kind of these nice church buildings with air conditioners and lights and beautiful screens and, and whatnot, that, that people kind of just, Christians in those places, they sort of just get this a little bit more clear. But let's make it clear for us, because it, it applies to us in America in the 21st century just as much as it did to these Christians that were coming out of Judaism in the first century, and just as much as it applies to people in South America and in Africa and all around the world. There is no such thing as a disciple that doesn't make disciples. And where does the weight of responsibility fall? Does it fall upon professional clergy? The answer to that is no. The weight of responsibility to make disciples rests squarely upon the shoulders of each disciple of Jesus Christ. I, I make disciples. I, I try to make disciples and I do make disciples, but I don't do that as a pastor. Pastor Jake, Pastor Bethany, Pastor Mark do, do not make disciples. I make disciples of Jesus because I am a disciple of Jesus. And I understand the mission was not given to pastors, it was given to God's people. Let me prove it to you. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul gives us a picture of how the church is meant to function. This thing that we are doing is church. We are sitting in a church building, but what we are doing is the church. We are the ecclesia, the called out to gather. We are the living embodiment of what God wants to do, bringing all tribes and tongues and nations and ethnicities and socioeconomic classes together to give a picture of what heaven is meant to look like. That's what we're doing here, guys. And we are the church. And Paul says, let me give you a, a picture of how this thing we call church is meant to operate. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. We are the church. It's not saying I gave these to some church building. No, to you, to I, to us together, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. It's what we call the fivefold ministry gifts. Now, what is their responsibility? Paul says it very clearly. Their responsibility, their job, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What Paul says here very clearly is this. I, Jesus, I, Christ, have given you my church, my, my people. I've given you five distinct ministry gifts that are going to manifest in certain people. And those gifts are going to equip you to do the things I've called you to do. To love God, to love people, to make disciples. And so when, when I, as Pastor Jacob, operating in the pastoral ministry, or as I am today, the teaching gift, maybe even a little bit of apostleship in the sending aspect, or even the work of the evangelist, the evangelist gift is not to go evangelize people. The evangelist gift is to get God's people equipped so they can evangelize. The ministry gifts equip God's people to do the work. That's why I say that I don't make disciples as a pastor. As a pastor, I equip disciples to make disciples. Why do I make disciples? Because I am also a follower of Jesus. My responsibility to Jesus and being his follower is exactly the same as yours to make disciples. But here's the thing where we can get really off track is when we think there are some super Christians, there are these people that, oh, the pastors, the leaders, the elders, we have even like fancy words, the bishops, the apostles, that's their job. They're the ones. They have some special knowledge or some special mojo, some power. Can I tell you guys something? 
I wake up every day, put my pants on and brush my teeth just like you. And if you don't brush your teeth, you should start. <laughs> just equipping you, right? And just helping some people. If you're next to somebody, just be like, yeah, right there. I don't have, I don't have like a special hotline to God because I'm Pastor Jake. Is this Jesus? Yeah, it's me again. Yeah, I need to tell you about Mark. He's really been <laughs> tough, you know. I don't have a hotline. Bethany and I, we don't have some like superpowers where we're like, hold on a second, hold on a second. Let me just run into this phone booth. No, I'm Pastor Jake. <laughs> like I don't have special, I don't get like an extra Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. We enjoy the fullness of the kingdom of God and the expression and power of the Holy Spirit, not because we have the name pastor in front of our name. We enjoy it because we are disciples of Jesus Christ, saved by the blood of Jesus that was poured out the cross for all of us. So when I'm up here on the stage yelling, (laughs) shouting, what I'm at least attempting to do is equip you to know your mission and to do it. Not because there's some super Christian or some super person or whatever. No, because you, it's, it's your job, it's my job as disciples of Jesus to do the work of the ministry. Let's talk about how we do that. Now, I want to give you something that's not in any way comprehensive or exhaustive, but at least to give you a couple of handholds today to say, you know what? Okay, I, I know it's my job as a disciple of Jesus to embrace this mission and make disciples. But how do I do that? So let me equip you with three things today, just three simple things. Number one, how do we make disciples? Number one. Build a relationship. Build a relationship. Relationship is a buzzword, kind of, and we use it a lot in church, but relationships are not really mysterious. They just kind of happen when you have a similar interest to someone or you make, a, make an effort to, to be kind or nice, and all of a sudden you kind of have that spark, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or whatever, They kind of just happen, but they happen more frequently when you're actually trying to build relationships with people. Bethany did something, uh, said something really great last week. She said, if you're lonely, but you won't go to a joy group, you're kind of, you're kind of being disingenuous because you're not making an effort. How many of you have at least one friend? And if you don't, let's just talk afterwards because that's, we want to help you out. But if you have at least one friend, you know, you weren't born with that friend. You have a mama, and your mama kind of loves you no matter what, but like, you weren't born with friends. So what happened? At some point in your life, like C.S. Lewis says, maybe you looked at the same book, and then you saw that person, and you said, oh, you too? You know, the interest was there. There was a common interest. Or maybe that person helped you up on the playground, or maybe that person teased you, and you got in a fist fight, and then you became best friends. Like, whatever it, whatever it was. But however you formed that friendship, it was kind of an organic type of a moment. But it's not really mysterious. Relationships are built on things like common interests. They're built on conversation. They're built on time spent together. And discipleship starts right in this place of relationship that if we as followers of Jesus will say, God, the love that you've done in me and the love that we share, the love that I share now with my brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, could I just take that and share it with people that don't know you? Could I just find somebody that is outside of the community of Jesus and could I express even, a, even an ounce of God's love to that person in the form of building a relationship? Did you know people are desperate for relationship? 
It's fascinating because some of the biggest companies in the world, like Facebook, and now they own Instagram, and I think they own everything now, but they're the metaverse, but they're, they're built around this idea that people actually are hungry for relationship. Now, what the world often offers is, is really just a facsimile of real relationship, but the world tries to, to, to feed this great need for connection and intimacy and relationship. And what we find is that real relationships are rooted in oneness with God, connectivity with God, getting healed and whole so that you can actually interface and connect with other people. And the world is desperate for relationships. And as followers of Jesus, if we'll just love and serve people and connect with them in relationship, we're going to see discipleship happen. It's been said that relationship is discipleship. Oftentimes we hear this word disciple, like make disciples. I need to make disciples. And we go, well, I don't even know what that means. Build relationships with people that don't know Jesus. Be so kind and encouraging and loving to them that they want to hang out with you. And then Jesus will rub off on them. A couple years ago, I hired a young guy. I found him on like an online uh, Facebook group or something. He was saying he does Facebook ads and I hired him to, to run ads for my business. And uh, so I had kind of a business relationship and we got to talking and he found out I was a pastor and, and he, he was like, that's interesting. You're doing business and stuff. And yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm actually, I'm an ag- uh, atheist or agnostic. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I don't know if he thought I was going to react or something. He went, unclean. You know, I don't know what he thought, but I was like, oh, interesting. I'd love to chat with you about that sometime. So mostly for the first year, we just talked about Facebook ads and, uh, you know, I'd pray for him, um, but not really that hard, just kind of average prayers. And uh, during 2020, when all the riots and stuff were going on, he, he reached out to me. He said, hey, um, can I chat with you? Like, I've just been really thinking about the fact that I believe certain things are right and certain things are wrong. And he says, my, my belief system doesn't really have room for that. And uh, I was like, yeah, whoa, okay, cool. I get to use my degree here, you know, for, for once. And uh, he's a very, very intelligent guy, super intelligent. I mean, scary intelligent. So he began to ask me questions, and I had to really, like, double down and start reading again and figure some stuff out. Over the course of about a year, he's been kind of leading himself to Jesus, um, having deep conversations about his beliefs and kind of the bankruptcy of his previous worldview. And and he hasn't publicly become a disciple of Jesus, but I hope to be able to baptize him at some point. And and I do believe he's at least on that journey. A couple of weeks ago, I get a a package in the mail, the UPS or something, the kids bring it in. I open it up. There's this beautiful planner in it, this really nice, kind of an expensive looking one. And there's a a note inside, a handwritten note from my friend. And he says, Jake, I don't have anybody else that I've had been able to have these type of conversations with. I really feel like, you know, you're my closest friend. Will you be the best man at my wedding? And I was, I was extremely moved. I mean, I told Bethany, I'm like, this is crazy because I just talked to this guy on the phone. I would call him a friend, but to me, the level of relationship isn't at this place. But for him, I became a friend of his soul, somebody he could talk to, somebody that he could kind of talk about things that he didn't have opportunity to talk about with other people. And, and he asked me to be the best man at his, his wedding. I said, hey, bro, you know your, your bachelor party's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm like a Christian pastor, right? I don't drink. Like I'm, 
I'm boring, like I, I don't watch everything that everybody else watches on Netflix, like I'm pretty lame, you know? And he's like, no, I know. I think his other, his other groomsman is a Muslim, so we're gonna have him covered, I guess, you know? It's a very religious bachelor party. But what, what, what I realize is that relationship is powerful. And you guys, I didn't, I didn't befriend him to, to notch my belt. Look, I got somebody for you, God. I just care about him. And yes, I, I, but I did befriend him and think, Lord, would you use me to make a difference in his life? You see, I think sometimes we feel icky or gross if we're like trying to build relationships with people to see them come to Jesus. But actually, that's really only the natural outflow of loving God and loving people. You see, everybody has a worldview. They have a belief system. They have a narrative that they've bought into. They have a story at the core of their, of their existence. We, we believe that the story of the Bible, the story of God the creator and the fall of man and the redemption that Jesus provides and then the future glory that God will give us in the, the new creation, we believe that's the true and real and right story and that really human beings are only going to find their fulfillment through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the natural outflow of loving God and loving people is that you're going to connect with people, build relationships for the purpose of making disciples. Not so you can get a pat on your back. Oh, I've made a disciple. Look at me. I'm such a good Christian. If you know anything about Jesus, that's actually not a Christian thing. It, it comes from the intimacy with God and the love we have. I want to share this. I want to express that I love people. So I'm going to make disciples. It starts with building relationships. I mean, in a very practical sense, what if you just said, I'm going to upgrade my kindness by one notch? I'll be totally transparent with you. If I take off Pastor Jake mode and I put on Disciple Jake mode, I suck at this. Seriously, I'm introverted, I'm sarcastic, I'm kind of judgmental. If you study the Enneagram, I'm a one, so I'm very critical. My wife's laughing on the front row. Like, as a na like in the natural sense of who I am, I'm not very friendly and I'm not very outgoing. But the Spirit of God on the inside of me compels me to smile more encourage people more and love people because I want them to know Jesus. And if they can see a glimpse of Jesus through a weird introvert like me, I want to see people come to Christ. Not because I'm some powerful evangelist. No, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And what he got into me, what he got to me, I, he, he can get it through me. Just upgrade your kindness, build relationships, be open. What if you carved out an hour in your, in your schedule every week and said, this is time that's available, God, if you will bring somebody into my life. Now, he probably already has. In fact, I would imagine there's somebody already in your life that you do have a relationship with that isn't a follower of Jesus. What if you just took the next two, three, four, five years and just loved that person and everything you did was just oriented to help them get to know Jesus a little bit better? Build a relationship. Number two, be a witness. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This word sounds really religious, like a witness. It sounds kind of like spiritual, but a witness is just somebody who says, this is what I saw. This is what I saw. If you get called into court and they say, hey, you were at the scene of this crime, what did you observe? Just tell them what you saw. That's what a witness is. A witness for Jesus says, this is what I've seen. When I tell people about Jesus, it's not like, let me explain to you the mysteries of God. It's like, hey, uh, I was actually a PK. 
I don't have like a cool testimony. I never did drugs. Like the hardest drugs I do is NyQuil. <laughs> it's not cool. You know, I don't have any cool youth pastor stories. But I was a deeply insecure kid. Uh, had a lot of self-image issues, a lot of insecurity, and, and pretty religious and judgmental. And man, Jesus saved me. This is what I've seen. He's transformed my life. I've seen Jesus do great things in my life. I've seen Jesus do great things in other people's life. That's what I've seen. What, what next? That, that's a witness. That's what I've seen. If you'd be willing to obey Jesus in this area of being a witness, I mean, realize the Holy Spirit is actually equipping you. Just share with people what Jesus has done in your life. And you don't have to be weird about it. Like in my conversation with the guy I was talking to, I wasn't like, hold, hold, okay, now that we've talked about baseball, can I just share what Jesus has done in my life? Do you realize how weird that makes you sound? I'm not discouraging you. I'm just saying find your opening, right? Be normal. I think we, we, we think about evangelism and we're like thinking I have to be like the guy who has a megaphone on the street corner. If that's what God's called you to do, you do you, boo. But like, I'm not that guy. So what I do is I, I have conversations with people and I'll find openings. Like with my friend, he said, I'm, I, I feel like my value system is, being, is not compatible with what I observe in the world. And I'm like, well, that's actually because there, is a real, there are real things that are right and wrong because God wove them into the fabric of the universe. And he's like, well, I don't know about that. Okay, well, let me give you some ideas. Can I give you some input into that? Let me share. God is going to give you opportunities, but just be a witness. Be a witness. This is what Jesus has done in my life. Number three, bring people to Jesus. John chapter 4 is one of the greatest stories in the Bible. Jesus goes to Samaria. He wasn't, wasn't really supposed to go there because he's a Jew, and the Jews hated the Samaritans and vice versa. And he goes to this well in the middle of the day, and there's this woman there, and he says, hey, why don't you give me a drink? And, and they have this whole conversation. Now, she wasn't supposed to be there either because the women actually would go to the well uh, in the evening or in the morning. So she's there in the middle of the day. So she wasn't supposed to be there. She was all alone, which is actually dangerous. And Jesus shows up and she's like, why are you talking to me? And they have this whole conversation and he begins to kind of unpack her life. And they start talking about water and it goes into this metaphor for spiritual water, all this kind of stuff. And Jesus really has this moment with this woman and she goes into the town now, let's just back up a little bit. Why, why is she there by herself? Well, it's actually because she's had a bunch of husbands. And Jesus even tells her the one you're living with right now is not your husband. So she's kind of the person that would probably be like, ooh, it's her, right, in town. A woman of questionable morals, I say. <laughs> so she, she's at this well. She goes back into the city. And she says, come and see the man that told me everything about myself. And people come out of the city and they go to Jesus. To me, this is a beautiful picture of how we are to be. We're to take the focus off of ourself and put it on Jesus. She didn't go back into the city and be like, hey, everybody, you know, I'm like a loose woman, but I met Jesus now and now I'm not. And so because of how awesome I am now, you should come see Jesus. She didn't go in and say, I've had a, a conversation with Jesus, and now I'm very deeply intelligent and philosophical and smart, and so I'm going to tell you all these great arguments uh, for God. And like, She didn't do any of that. She was like, hey, it's me. You guys know me. Come see the man that told me everything I ever did. Just bring people to Jesus. Take the focus off yourself. What if it wasn't about you? 
What if it stopped being about your qualifications and how good you were and how righteous you felt on whatever particular day you happened to be talking to somebody? What if it stopped being about how holy or worthy you felt? What if you got over yourself and said, it's not about me. I'm a witness for Jesus and I bring people to Jesus. And I say, look, it's not about me. I'm not perfect. Don't, don't focus on me. I'm just telling you about this person, Jesus, and I'm bringing you to him. Be an inviter. Be somebody who is always inviting people to any type of a moment where it's, the potential is there for that person to hear the gospel and the potential is there for that person to encounter Jesus. You know, we, we try to form our environments and atmospheres both on our Sunday services as a church, but also our joy groups. If your joy group is not friendly for lost people, fix it, fix it. If you need some suggestions, talk to Pastor Joe. I mean, you know, we'll give you some ideas, but we want to have atmospheres where lost people can come and they go, man, I get to see Jesus here. It's, we want to have atmospheres, and we do, where you can invite people and say, hey, just come see what's going on. Come see what Jesus is doing in me. It's not about you. Take the focus off yourself. What if as a, as a believer, it stopped being about you needing to know all the answers or needing to be perfect, and it was really about what Jesus had done? When we connect with this idea, it's going to change the world. I believe God wants to bring revival in our community, but it's not going to come in some mystical spiritual sense, flame of fire from the north. You know? No, no, no. It's not going to come in some wisdom of our leadership team as we structure amazing strategic services. No, what's going to happen is that as every person in this room and every person that calls Joy Church home and every person that is a disciple of Jesus says, you know what? It's my job to make disciples and I'm going to give my life to that. That's when we're going to see revival. I hope I'm doing an okay job, but what I'm trying to do is equip you to understand that reality and then do that mission. And I'm doing it with you as a disciple of Jesus. Let's build relationships with people. Let's be a witness for Christ and let's bring people to Jesus. The focus isn't on us, it's on bringing people to Jesus. Sharing our faith and making disciples is not an option. It's a God-given assignment. When a military commander gives someone a mission and says, lieutenant or sergeant or private or whatever, go and do this mission, they don't guarantee success. They don't guarantee they're going to do everything perfect, but they have to go and do it. And they say, yes, sir, I'm going to go and do that mission. It's, an, it's a God-given assignment. He wants the gospel that got to you to get through you. John Wesley said this, and I'll end with these words. He said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin, desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen, pastors or regular people. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. I would say that if John Wesley needed 100, I only need five, because I think if five of you, five of you today would say, I'm just going to give this next year to just in prayer say, God, who's that one person I need to build that relationship with, be a witness to, and bring to Jesus? It's transformative. Yeah. And you go, Pastor Jake, I feel kind of like you said I was going to be encouraged. Like, I don't feel encouraged. I feel scared because I have to go do this job now. Well, yeah, you do. And it is kind of scary sometimes. But let me tell you this. When you begin to walk in what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be, you're going to have a blast. Yeah, that's good. You're going to get a package from somebody that says, will you come and be part of my wedding? Like, 
Can I tell you how full my heart is about that? My heart is so full, not because I did something good. I'm amazed at Jesus working through somebody like me who's not good at this stuff. I'm amazed. It's so fun to see people come to Jesus Christ and know, man, I'm, this God that I love, these people that I love, now they're joining up. It's, it's powerful to connect with your God-given mission. So I just want to ask you to say, just have faith and just say, Lord, I'm open to it. Would you keep helping me take that next step to be a disciple that makes disciples? Amen? Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes today real quick? We're going to just do a little bit of, of business and move, move forward in our service today. But listen, if you're here today and you're like, Pastor Jake, I, I like what you're saying, but I, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I haven't put my trust in him. I haven't given him my life. I want to give you a moment right now, and I'm not going to make you uncomfortable. We, we're not trying to make any sort of like manipulation or anything like that. This is actually just a time that we give people an opportunity to start that journey of following Jesus. And so what I want to ask you to do is take a big step of faith today. Would you raise your hand so I can see and just say, I'm, I'm here to make this decision. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Pastor Jake, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to walk with him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. So awesome. So awesome. Okay, let's pray this prayer together. Everybody pray it with me. Dear Jesus, I give you my heart. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for pouring out your life for me at the cross. You gave your life for me so I could be right with God. I give you my life, my worship, and my allegiance. Give me the grace to follow you the rest of my days. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.